Alrighty then. Guys being dudes, episode 19. Mitch McCartney here with Danny Lucide. The hot take artist also joins us again, making his return on the podcast for, I'm not quite sure how many times, but it's one way too many. We really got to get rid of this guy, Anthony Sahaski. Hey, I'm here to stay, boys. I ain't going nowhere. (laughs) You're like a piece of gum that gets stuck on someone's shoe on a hot summer's day. And it's on there for like six months. That's what you are to this podcast. <laughs> You're literally just sitting there scraping the shoe up against the concrete, trying to get this piece of gum off from the bottom of your shoe, and you just cannot get it off. That's Anthony. I gotta Sahasi. say, you know, this is probably the best introduction you guys have given me so far. I feel so loved here, Anthony. Anthony, the parasite. Sahasi. Hey, that's what they call me because you are a parasite. The parasite. All right, let's uh, let's be serious here. The uh, the sports world, mainly the Detroit sports world, was shocked on uh, the 22nd of June when the Pistons, for the first time in franchise history, may I add, actually moved up in the NBA draft lottery. Now, they were projected to get around the third, fourth pick. They said, yeah, fuck that. We're getting number one. Somehow, the stars aligned. They got the number one pick. Uh, I've been on a, I'm just going to be com- quite honest with you. I've been on a bender ever since. I just haven't stopped, boys. Like drinking? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you're just celebrating hella, dude. Hey, I was just really excited that we got the first pick because we're able to get Cade Cunningham, dude. I'm, like, jumping up and down for this guy, honestly. Like, what does he do? What is he going to do for us, do you think? Is he going to be, like, the second option? Is he going to be, like, a guy that plays behind a star that we pick up this summer? What is he not going to do for us is the question. I mean, he's going to like, bust. He do, hey, we were talking about Kwame Brown before the podcast. I hope we didn't just jinx something there. That's all I'm going to well, say. Look, we put the get jinxed. Yeah, not it does get jinxed. It can't be on me because I had no idea who the hell Kwame Brown was. So just like to take my name out of that hat there. But Cade Cunningham is going to do so many good things for this organization, given that Detroit doesn't pull a classic Detroit move and either draft somebody else or trade the pick away. Um, <clears throat> Cade Cunningham is exactly what this team needs because they had great production from their rookies last year. So you add that into the mix where you got this guy who's already able to contribute from day one in my opinion i think any team he lands on he's gonna immediately start pushing that bar up and up and up and it's gonna attract like danny said are we gonna get any stars in free agency with the way jeremy grant broke out last season with the young potential rookie talent that we had last season that was showcased and then getting Cade cunningham there are now pieces that are attractive to other players around the league where it's like hey this team might not be a contender right now but if i join them then they might be a contender because they have all these pieces moving already let me be a part of that and it's going to be it's going to be amazing it's going to do great things for the pistons so you brought something up there about trading the number one pick. Now let's let's get into that a little bit here, because there is some rumors floating around and about that the Pistons are going to trade this pick. Me personally, I don't buy it for a single second. Like I had previously said, this is the first time the Pistons have ever moved up in the lottery. Very very rarely do we ever get a number one pick. Our last number one overall was like early early seventies when they should drafted Bob Lanier long long time ago. So me personally, I believe the Pistons are going to stick with this pick. I do think they're going to select Cade Cunningham because they literally, I mean, Cade's agent literally came out and said 
he's going to be working out for one team only, and that's the team with the number one overall pick. So, I mean, do with that what you want, but, I mean, let me get your guys' opinions. Like, what do you think is going to happen here with this pick? I think we're going to just pick up Cade Cunningham. I don't think that we're going to skip over him. I mean, he had a phenomenal season with the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, He had 20 points averaging. He had um, three assists, so six blocks, and then he played 35 minutes per game, 43% from the field. Uh, 40% from the three points. So and then his free throw was 84%. So that is some good shooting right there. I think that we should pick him up because that will up our percentage and shooting. And I think that the Pistons shot pretty well last season. But uh, having this kind of player on the team gets the players going. The momentum goes up and then everybody starts to take more clear open shots. And um, just having somebody like a leader, like somebody that's a star potential on the team also gets your momentum going because then everybody just starts playing better and then everybody's more serious because they do have a shot into the playoffs. Well, here, <clears throat> here's what I think. So Cade Cunningham is no doubt about it going to be the number one draft pick. What it depends, in my opinion, is how far and how much they want to commit to Killian Hayes because if Cade Cunningham comes in Killian Hayes is going to have to kind of take that step back although I think that he'd be a nice compliment to him um if they want uh Killian to be running this offense and Killian to be setting everything up it's going to be hard to kind of mesh the two but if they're willing to talk to Killian Hayes and tell him hey you know this guy is going to kind of move Killian over to shooting guard and let Cade run the offense his way and let Killian kind of develop more into um, like a spot up shooter and a cutter and Killian Hayes kind of gets that pressure taken off of him as a primary ball handler and he gets the luxury of just kind of sitting back and finding his shots and just moving around on the court in different ways. Some of the trades that are being thrown around out there are we talked about this before the pod would be um <clears throat> It was James Wiseman and Golden State's seventh and 14th pick for the number one pick. Absolutely hate that trade. I think it's horrible. But Troy Weaver even came forward and said that trading the number one pick is an option. I don't think it's their number one option. I think it's just something that they're saying that if they get the right offer, they're willing to execute because there are some other good talent within the top four picks of the draft. Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs. Um, If you go outside of that top four, the draft kind of falls off a little bit. But there's a lot of hype around those top four picks and trading down to the two, three or four pick wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing. Thing, as long as we get something good in return for it i actually Sucks, really, to be honest with you i really really like that uh that weaver said that that he's open to trading the number one overall pick because one thing that i hate is even when you do have this sort of situation where you have a team number one pick number one prospect kind of seems like a perfect fit like there's no way shape or form the pistons aren't going to take kate cunningham number one overall I don't think it's good to say, yeah, we're going to take Cade Cunningham because then right away you are dismissing all the possible trade scenarios that are going to come your way. So if you just are keep, you know, keep putting it out there that you're not sure what you're going to do, what you're telling the rest of the league is, you know, the rest of the league don't know what you're going to do either. So they're going to be sending trades your way if you want it. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I like. No, no, no. I thought Danny was going to talk. Um <laughs> Like you said, I like that he left the options open because it makes that makes it unpredictable. And what that's going to do is kind of 
if you were to come out straight forward and say, yeah, we don't want this pick, we're going to trade it, um, people are going to see that and be like, okay, now we don't have to give up everything because they really don't want this pick or they don't need this pick. But saying something so subtle uh, that it is an option is going to make teams think, uh, how how devoted are they to getting a good package for this pick? And it's not a bad thing to keep your options open because there might be that team that tries to overachieve for that pick and you get a deal that you can't refuse. And if that is the scenario, then, of course, I would not have any problems whatsoever with the organization taking that trade. But it has to be something worthwhile because Cade Cunningham, in my opinion, is... I don't want to say generational talent because I think that's an over-exaggeration, but he's an organization changer. He can put you on a trajectory that you... He can put you ahead of schedule, I guess. The Pistons right now as they stand with this number one pick are ahead of schedule because this whole restoration process, as Troy Weaver puts it, really isn't supposed to start taking form as quick as we're anticipating it now, seeing that we have the ability to get Cade Cunningham. Now, speaking about the trades... Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs really wouldn't be bad options to put next to Killian Hayes if they wanted to really commit to him and have him be that point guard for us and have him be that ball-dominating player because those are guys that are going to get their own shots. They're great three-point shooters. They're great wing players. They don't need the ball in their hands to score. Um, So, I mean, there are good options out there. I think Evan Mobley is a great player. I don't necessarily think that he would be the pick that we need. He's not the player that the organization is so desperately going after because we got Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart in the last year's draft. So I don't think we really need many more big guys down in the paint, although I don't think it'd be a hurtful thing to get him. I just think Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs are better options if we're going to wipe Cade Cunningham off the table. Now, if they trade outside of the top four picks, unless they get, as we talked about before the pod, a bona fide superstar all-star player, it's going to end up being a terrible, terrible long, long-term long choice for the Pistons. So after the National yeah. Basketball Association absorbed teams from the National Basketball League in 1949, there has been only, well, 11 picks have won the MVP. So the more I look at it, I mean, I'm going to just kind of like go through a little list real quick. Um, so the first overall picks that I see since 2003 is LeBron James, Dwight Howard, Andrew Bogut. Um, and then you have a couple of known names. So like Greg Oden, and then I don't know this Italian name, to be honest with you, the Toronto Raptors pick them up in 06. Then you have Derek Rose, Blake Griffin, John Wall, Kyrie. So you have... Anthony Davis. So you have all these players that are actually stars within the league right now that are number one draft pick. So the only players that I see wrong in the past five, I'd say like the past 10 years, is Anthony Bennett when the Cavaliers picked him up in 2013, and then Markel Fultz when the 76ers picked him up in 2017. So I feel like if we go with the number one draft pick, we are going to have a star no matter what, because just by the pattern of the draft, um, in the past, the number one draft picks have been stars. So I feel like we should just keep him, hold on to him. He has value. He shoots really well. He is just glorified as a player or as a basketball player. And for him to come to Detroit, especially since we're such a team that has so much potential because there's not a lot of like, I, I don't know, we're just trying to find our star. So that's why Jeremy Grant was able to like blossom so much within our organization is because his ceiling was so high because he had 
um, say and when he gets the ball on the court. So when you have somebody right next to him like Jeremy Grant, I feel like we're just going to have a very dominant team. It just comes down to when Killian Hayes, uh, Sadiq Bey, Josh Jackson, and then you have uh, Stu that plays the center. All these players should be able to compliment, um, compliment Cade Cunningham. So I feel like if we had to step, like you said earlier, Anthony, Killian Hayes would have to take a step back. I feel like he should because I really don't see anybody else um, out of the rookies that we had this year blossoming more than Sadiq Bey because his. I, I just feel like Sadiq Bey is just one of those players that you would want to keep out of all that entire group. And he's going to be the one that's going to be shooting the lights out while there's the attention on Jeremy Grant and Cade Cunningham. So I feel like the Pistons are on a good, um, a good route in order to make a good playoff push. It just depends on what Troy Weaver does with his first draft pick if, or first overall draft pick if he decides to trade it. And you said that the Warriors wanted to do a what fourth round pick in a 14th or a third, or a seventh pick, pick and seventh then 14th pick and James Wiseman. Yeah. Yeah, see, I wouldn't do that at all. That's like trading Carl Anthony Towns for James Wiseman and a couple other draft picks. You know what I'm saying? Because Carl Anthony Towns was picked number one overall in 2015. You had Zion in 2019. Um, and then Anthony Edwards in 2020, which I think that Anthony Edwards is a really good so pick. Let me, still. let me throw oh, a yeah, trade idea your guys' yeah. way. And this is one that in my head I think I think works on both sides. So Toronto got the number four pick. What if we were to trade with Toronto and we give them our pick and give them Josh Jackson and in return we get um, either a sign and trade with Kyle Lowry plus their four pick or we get Pascal Siakam plus their four pick because it still leaves us in the top four to pick up one of the wing players. Kyle Lowry only has so much time left in the league. He's on an expiring contract. So the Raptors are going to be looking for their next point guard, which would be Cade Cunningham. Ideally, if they could get their hands on that pick with the number four pick, we would basically guarantee us either Jalen Suggs or Jalen green which would give us that wing and three and d presence that we need to pair with jeremy grant and then we'd get either pascal siakam who is looking to kind of refurbish his name in the league because he had that great year in toronto when they won the championship with Kawhi, and it's kind of fallen off since so maybe putting him on a team where he's got less of a role and less pressure because toronto kind of made that made him their next superstar that's what he was made out to be and i think it was too much pressure for him but putting him on a on a team where we're in that restoration process and nobody's expecting him to carry us to a championship like toronto was when Kawhi left um or possibly a sign and trade with kyle lowry to give us that backup point guard presence off the bench because he's still a great scorer he's still a great player and he's a great locker room presence to have as well he's a veteran he knows his way around the league he'd be a great mentor to killian Hay and he still has some scoring in him um so what do you guys think of that trade i I feel like kyle lowry doesn't want to leave toronto and he's getting older pascal siakam would have been a good choice but we'd have to give up more definitely i don't mean like pascal to be quite i feel like i feel like his value is really low right now so we could get him for a josh jackson and a number one pick because toronto might be desperate to get their next point guarding because they just signed van vliet to this huge contract which you know kudos to van vliet he deserves it he's a great player you need somebody else that you can pair with him because fred van vliet cannot be your starting point guard your primary ball handler he's not going to thrive in that role he's going to thrive in that role where he gets to break free off ball and get some spot up three-point shots and kind of 
you know, heat up as the game goes on. Cade Cunningham could be that next starting point guard for you. All you have to do is give up an older Kyle Lowry who really isn't going to be there much longer and he's not going to provide much out of a locker room presence unless you start putting him coming off the bench or Pascal Siakam whose value has diminished greatly since that year they won the championship. So I do feel like we could get Siakam for very cheap because I don't think many other teams are going to be looking to like go after him. I think this trade could happen. I really don't think it should, though, and I'll tell you why. One, I'm just, and Kyle Lowry is a very, very good player. Like you mentioned, he's great in the locker room. He's great on court, plays with a ton of passion. That's evident if you ever watch his games. I just don't know how interested I am in an aging point guard right now, especially with how this team is constructed currently, with how young it is, being one of the youngest teams in the league. And then on the Pascal Siakam side of things, I'm not all that interested in Siakam because of what you said. When was his best year in Toronto? When Kawhi Leonard was there. But that was also everyone else's best year in Toronto, just about. Because I, So I feel like, you know, like, I feel like, but basically what I'm trying to say is I feel like a lot of Siakam's success in what, that was 2019 when they, no, 2020 when they won the champ. No, 19 when Toronto won, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 19. I feel like a lot of Siakam's successes, success that year was centered around because Kawhi Leonard was on the court. Because teams were so focused on Kawhi, you know, a lot of teams, you're not going to have a, another guy to focus on Siakam. So I'm not here saying that Siakam's a bad player or anything. I do think he's still a very, very productive player in the NBA. And I think that 2019 year was really important for him to gain some confidence and kind of get his foot in the door, learning how to be an all-star in the league, but I'm just not all that interested in it because I feel like he was helped out so much by Kawhi Leonard. And as soon as he leaves, so does Siakam's all-star level game. You know, I don't think. Yeah. The product from Villanova. Yeah. I'm just going to say the product from Villanova, Kyle Lowry. I mean, he's 35 years, 35 years old right now, and he's only played 46 games this season. So like he, like Mitch was saying, we, don't really want an aging point guard if it comes down to it because he has been dealing with injuries for the past couple of years and his I mean his efficiency has gone low so if you put him on the Pistons I feel like he doesn't have the star power that he does in Toronto and they're able to um he's not going to be able to thrive in our system I, I don't know I just don't think that Kyle Lowry would be the best move I would like try to move towards another team for that trade though I try to pick up a um a center like front court for me right now for the Pistons are like the biggest thing because you have Pumley and a rookie and Stu kind of running our like front court right now. So I just feel like that if we picked up a center um, or a power forward, which we are going to do in the draft, which with Cade Cunningham playing the power forward, um, <clears throat> that's why I don't think that the Pistons are going to make this move is because we're already picking up somebody in the front court. And I think that's the most important thing. I feel like we need to pick up like a point guard to be able to um, make a playoff push. But the real question is when we pick up Kate Cunningham, do we want to start making moves right away and we want to make a playoff push right when he's a rookie, or are we going to just kind of let the team build by itself? Like the, the Hornets did um, how they picked up a couple key pieces 
And then they're just kind of like letting LaMelo Ball just do his own I thing. I think it's best to let them kind of blossom in due time because you saw Detroit really push for a playoff appearance with the whole Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson era. And then the same thing happened trading for Blake Griffin. And the longevity of it never really worked out. So given that we could get these players that could help us make a playoff push without giving up too many young assets, I'll be honest, if we get Cade Cunningham, I really wouldn't be opposed to trading Killian Hayes if somebody was interested and we got a half-decent player for him. Somebody who is ready to produce numbers right now. Of course, you're not superstar for Killian Hayes, but you could still pick up somebody fairly decent who has that reputation in the league and is reliable um, because I'm not 100%. Hey, what do you, yeah. what do you think about this? What do you th- why don't we just, why don't we, because Cade is like, Danny, you brought up Cade playing four and he definitely absolutely has the size to play a four at 6'8", 220. I mean, he, he clearly has the NBA body. He still has a ton of room to grow, which is great. Like if this guy maxes out at like six, I mean, He's young, too. He could end up being 6'9", 6'10", call 235 with that kind of touch. I mean, that's a scary sight to me. So why don't we just, why don't we, uh, like, let's say Cade, I mean, he looks great coming out. We all know he's good, number one pick. Let's say, but he's just looking awesome starting day one. Why don't we just push Killian to the bench, have him lead the bench squad? I mean, I can't really think of many better backup point guards in the league than a Killian Hayes. And I know that's saying a lot based off of him just being a rookie last year. But if you guys paid attention to when he came back from that injury he had, he looked like a completely different player. Like He looked like he had been in the gym for a while. Just the game looked slower to him in a good way. Like he just, he looked a lot more in control, moving the ball better. So why don't we just put him to the bench, have him lead the bench squad and have Cade lead the starters. Well, we still have Dennis Smith Jr. Wasn't Anthony raving about Dennis yeah, Smith Jr. when we DSJ, first picked him up? Man, I love I DSJ. DSJ. Yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah. So what the fuck are we gonna do? Never him? Mind, what are we gonna do mind. with him, man? Move like, Killian the shooting guard, or if you really want to get Killian more comfortable, <laughs> prime being a primary ball handler, let him stay at point and put Cade Cunningham at shooting guard because I think Cade can thrive really at any position on the floor. I don't think he needs to be a one position player. I think he could play anything. If you wanted to go small ball and he does reach that height point where he's like 6'10 you could even put him at the five in certain matchups of course it has to be against other small ball lineups can't put him against Embiid or Jokic or AD but Cade doesn't have to just be a point guard you can really plug him in anywhere that you want him to play and that's what another one of his big upswings is is he's not just a one position player and I totally I'll be completely honest I entirely forgot about Dennis Smith Jr. I do think he also has very good potential to be that backup point guard for us. So fuck my Kyle Lowry trade that I mentioned earlier. I'm down for the Pascal Siakam trade because I want you to just imagine this lineup. I want you to imagine this is our starting lineup. We got Killian Hayes, then we've got Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green at shooting guard. Then we've got uh, Jeremy Grant at small forward. You put Pascal at power forward, and then you've got um, Isaiah Stewart or Mason Plumley, starting center. And then you've got um, Sadiq Bay coming off the bench with DSJ. 
and then you either have um, Isaiah Stewart or Plumlee also coming off the bench with them as well, whichever one wouldn't be starting. I don't think that's a bad lineup whatsoever. The only downside would be one of our rookies not getting a starting position, therefore getting a little bit less playing time. But I don't think it'd be bad to get one of those rookies at a young age involved in a coming off the bench role because it's not a bad thing to be coming off the bench. You need your bench to be reliable. You need them to put up points. So it doesn't matter if you're starting or coming off the bench. You're still going to play an important role on this team going forward and i don't necessarily think it's all that like i mean i don't know killian hayes personally i don't know really all that much about his personality but i don't think it's all that bad to have him as a sixth man i mean that's a very that's a valuable role in the league i mean guys like guys like jordan clarkson i mean he's never i I'm assuming he's never been happier in a role than he was this year. Look at Reggie Utah, Jackson, what he's doing in the, the playoffs year. right now. I was just telling Danny the other night, I was like, I forgot Reggie Jackson's a good basketball player when he doesn't control the ball and control your offense. Yeah, he took that step back for so the yeah. Clippers, and now he's going to get paid on his next contract because people are going to look at him and say, wow, he could be six man of the year if he does this throughout an entire season. So the more I look at it, I'm looking at um, Jeremy Grant because I feel like we should be paying more attention to him when we're talking about Cade Cunningham. And I see that his secondary position at 6'8 is power forward. And we know that one of the best defensive players in today's game is Draymond Green. And he's 6'6 and he plays the power forward. So why wouldn't we just switch Jeremy Grant to the power forward? Because before he even came onto the Pistons, I knew him as a defensive player. Like. Jeremy Grant was one of the best defensive players coming off like as a role player, you know what I'm saying? He's not like like known throughout the league for his defense where he's making defensive player of the year like nomination like um entries throughout the season, but I mean, I feel like Jeremy Grant would be better at the power forward position just defending basically players that are just kind of bigger than him. I mean, would he be able to guard I mean, who would you rely on to guard Giannis? at the power forward position, Jeremy Grant or or Cade Cunningham, because Cade Cunningham's original position is the small definitely, forward. Yeah, definitely Jeremy Grant. Grant. Oh, for the only reason being he's got more reps in the NBA, so he's more familiar with playing against these big body intense players. I would put Jeremy Grant on every team's you know superstar, given that it was some type of forward like LeBron, KD, um, Jesus. You just said, um, why can I not remember the name that you just said? Giannis. You get the point. Anyways, I would put Jeremy Grant guarding any team's um, leading forward. You know, uh, he's the player that's going to put up the biggest fight against them. Cade Cunningham has the potential to grow into that. But I think coming right into the league, putting him in a KD matchup or a LeBron matchup or a Giannis matchup is just kind of going to be asking for disaster. Would you just. All right. So like they're going up against the Brooklyn Nuts. Uh, the Pistons, and we have Jeremy Grant at the power forward, and then we have, you know, um, Cade Cunningham just originally playing the small forward, like kind of the theory that I was explaining earlier. So we actually go through with it, but we go up against the Nets who have KD at the small forward position. Would you just switch the two before the game? Like, it's just basically, I feel like when it comes down to the matchups again with the Pistons going up against other players or other teams, that have star players at those positions, small forward and power forward, I think we'd be able to adjust and be able to kind of like fit our play style and not ruin our play style because 
we're going up against somebody that you know has a star player that I don't know, Kate Cunningham's kind of guarding like a star and it's just like throwing us off because we're not able to keep up with it because Kate Cunningham's defense is not there. So as a rookie, I feel like that his defense is not going to be top notch being able to shut down like stars in the league. And I don't blame him for that either. But I feel like Dwayne Casey needs to be able to coach and it comes down to him to be able to do the matchups and uh, mess around with the roster to be able to keep up with these teams in the league. Because I feel like if we just have Cade Cunningham just out there stranded by himself, I mean, it's not going to look good for us. And we're just going to be in the same boat where we're just barely making the playoffs. If not, we we finish bottom last. I think again. that's a really good I, question, you're right about that. Danny. And like what I would do personally is I would play him in a Ben Simmons type of defensive role where I put him on your smaller guy. I would I would put him on the smaller person. Let's just say, for example, we're playing the Warriors. I would be putting Cade defensively, not in this position, but just defensive matchup wise. I'd probably put him on. I'd either put him on Clay Thompson or honestly, possibly even Steph Curry, just to test out his defense and see how well he can keep up with these smaller guards because he does have that agility and that athleticism to where I think he could grow into that role and he'd be more ready to guard a smaller player opposed to guarding a Kevin Durant. Um, I would put him in the Ben Simmons type of role where it's like you're going to kind of put him on the best smaller player on the court, given that Cade isn't necessarily a, a real big guy. He's what did you say? He's six, eight, I believe. Um, he's not super bulky. He's not absolutely jacked like Zion. Um, he's not busting out of his shoes, but the defense. <laughs> <laughs> the defensive uh, level is so elevated in the NBA because Z- even Zion took a huge dip in his defensive uh, productivity. He was trashed yeah. this year. And on you watched him in Garbage. Duke, and he's he's running from um, from inside the paint and swatting people at the three point line. So the the defensive level in the NBA, there's such a big skill gap, in my opinion, between college and NBA. So I, I just think it would not be a good idea to put Cade on any type of bigger All Star. I would put him on a smaller All Star and believe that he would do better in that role than he would guarding a bigger player. I agree it's more. More to what you said, Anthony, not only is the like, the skill gap in the NBA like way bigger, and that's offensively and defensively, it's just so much more immersive. And I mean, quite literally, like I guess I know we all know it's a job, but like it really feels like I mean, not like I've been in the NBA or anything, but it's a career at that point. Like in college, think about it. Cade's team didn't make it that far in the NCAA tournament. So they played a max of like what, maybe 40 games. And that's a with a decent sized playoff run. Now the NBA, if you don't even make the playoffs, you're paying a minimum of 82 games, and that's with traveling basically around the clock because you know you're basically on a on off schedule. One day you play a game, get a rest day, which is really just a travel day if you're on the road, and then you play another game. So he's gonna have to adjust to that too. So I do think that putting him on like a crazy talented guard like a Steph Curry, a Kevin Durant, even though he's a forward. I don't really like the idea to that. The last thing I want to do is kill the guy's confidence early in his career because look what we're seeing in Philadelphia with Ben Simmons. And you can't at this point, you cannot convince me that it's not a confidence thing. I mean, passing up a wide open dunk to 
pass for someone for a contested layup makes absolutely no sense, especially when you're Ben Simmons size, Ben Simmons strength. You have his skill set. We all know he's a great dunker and he flat out just chose not to shoot the ball. So I he's really, never going to be let down on that, by the way. Speaking of which, number one pick for Ben Simmons straight up. Do you do it? Come hell on, no. I would do hell it. No. I would hell fucking no. do it. Hey, we're just gonna, we're just gonna end the podcast. No, end no, no, no. Hear me out. Right hear now. me out. And Anthony, out. what the hell? Get the podcast. One for one swap, but you don't play Bennett point guard. You move him to a forward position. You move him to a forward position and you say, look here, motherfucker, here's what's going to happen. You are going to develop a shot. And if you don't develop a shot, we're going to put you with people that have. We're going to drop. But you have to learn how to hit your shots or else it's going to be useless. And so, therefore, we put Ben in an ultimatum scenario where it's literally do or die. So he's got to develop a shot or we're going to put him. You are yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, that was a hot take. But um, I feel like Cade Cunningham coming to the team, uh, if we do put him at a star posi- or star role where he's actually thriving, doing good, all right, so his confidence is not killed like Mitch says. So we're just moving forward um, with Cade Cunningham being the number one ball handler and everything. Um, would it be a situation where in Dallas, how Luka Donich has the ball probably 70% of the time takes majority of the shots and his teammates kind of fail behind him because he's not kind of like passing the ball and facilitating. All he's doing is just making shots or is he going to be boosting the team's confidence? Is he one of those players? And the reason why is Luca is a God given talent. Don't get me wrong, but like where he, where he lacks is the, the facilitating. He doesn't have that. Cade's kind of hat. He's always had that package in his game. Um, when I'm at work, I have an unbelievable amount of downtime and I spend a lot of it watching Cade. (laughs) (laughs) I hope your boss listens to this podcast, but you know, for the last couple of days, when Detroit got that number one pick, I really dove into watching Cade's highlights because I wanted to learn more about him and see more of his game because I always knew he was a good player and I've seen clips of him here and there, but I've never really dove into it. He's a great facilitator and he's great at getting his teammates involved. And that's what you need in somebody to really succeed as a team because Luca gets his numbers. Luca puts up crazy amounts of points, but he doesn't get the team involved on a night to night basis. And that's what ultimately leads to the Mavs struggling is he's the only one actually scoring because he's the only one getting the chance to score. Now, that's not a knock on him because, you know, like Kobe says, shooters are going to shoot. So kudos to Luca. As long as he keeps putting up points, you can't complain. But I I don't think Cade's going to be that type of player. And I also think his offense isn't on that level to where Dwayne Casey would give him that green light to do that. And all in all, I don't think Dwayne Casey's the type of coach to give him the green light to do that. Because if you look back on the Toronto team, that they, they were so chemistry orientated when Dwayne Casey was on there. They were really good at making sure everybody played a role. Everybody got involved. Everybody got the ball. And I don't think Dwayne Casey would put him in a position to do that. And I don't think he's good enough offensively to to even earn that position yet. All I'm imagining right now is like someone walks into the bathroom of the Volkswagen dealership and they're like, wow, it sounds like someone's listening to Cade Cunningham highlights in the stall over there. That's literally where I do a lot of my watching is on the toilet too. How'd you know? Have you been in my dealership before? 
No, but uh, I am also uh, uh, a member of the male gender, and I may also do things on said toilet. The same toilet? So, anyway, the exact same nice. toilet, yes. I, I knew I got a whiff of you somewhere in so, there. Oh, my God. All right, so I want to get into this. Imagine this type of lineup. Now, we are Kate Cunningham, 6'8", long. Jeremy Grant, about the same size, long. A lot of people don't really know this, but... Killian Hayes is six five with a wingspan. Six or uh, Sadiq Bay is about six seven. Dude, if we can land ourselves somehow, some way, I'm like a big center. We're gonna have four long, strong ball handlers, defenders on the court at the same time. Like, I, I are you guys thinking what I'm thinking? Like, I'm not gonna say we clearly don't have the skill set of the you know the splash bros warriors with the shooting but on the playmaking side like let's say all these guys pan out we already know killian hayes is a promising playmaker same thing with jeremy grant sadiq bay i wouldn't really say much of a playmaker i mean he i would say that he has the room to grow into that role to improve that part of his game fantastic shooter as we all know and then you're adding Cade Cunningham, who's got both the playmaking ability. He's really kind of like kind of like what they say in baseball, like five tools. He's got it all. He's got the defense. He's got the playmaking. He's got the shooting. He's got everything. So if we have all those guys on the court at the same time, I know what you guys think, but I feel like NBA defenses are just going to be spinning because the ball movement and the playmaking just, the best thing about Detroit, I'm so excited about it. Yeah, see, I wanted to comment on that because you bring up a good point about just our presence and having like a team that has very big size and very big like uh, wingspan. So I like that about Detroit. The thing about us is our motto is just kind of like defense over anything. So having those players that are just big and um, they're definitely going to be a presence. So having Those players also we just let these players develop. It's going to we're going to do really good. Um, I just feel like that all the rookies on our team that we're looking at right now. So Killian Hayes, Stu, uh, Josh Jackson. Well, Josh Jackson's been in the league, but like um, Sadiq Bay. So out of all those players, I just keep Sadiq Bay. And then I'd kind of I don't I don't know. I don't really like Killian Hayes, to be honest with you, because I feel like that his defense is not there and he's just um, one of those players that just does good because he has the ball. And he's on a team that doesn't have much, like, doesn't have, like, a true star. So you have Jeremy Grant. But other than that, outside of that, they're still trying to find their way and what players are going to be on the team and established towards, like, attached to the uh, the organization. So having players that are able to play defense and being able to move the ball also on the offensive side so we're able to have a two-way playing style is going to definitely be something to look forward to. I just feel like 
we're going to have to be able to pick up another star in order for us to make an actual push in the playoffs. It's just a matter of if we want to do it now or do it in two to three years and just kind of cook on the prospects that we have I think right now. In, in two to three years, like I think that's when we should get the, our next star. It's mainly because... I just we need to give time for some of our younger players to develop a little bit more to make them more attractive trading pieces. Killian Hayes being one of them. I'm with you, Danny. I'm not very big on him. Um, I don't think his floor is super low, but I also don't think his ceiling is really high. I think he'll just be just an okay player. He's not going to be too big of a liability, but he's not going to be winning you games. So I think giving him a chance to develop a little bit and showcase his talent, same with DSJ, I wouldn't even be opposed to moving off of him if he can kind of make a better name for himself later on down the road. My only concern is that how long is Jeremy Grant going to be okay with being the, like the number one guy, number two guy, but like a primary scorer nonetheless on a losing team and just constantly not making big strides in the playoffs. Not to say that I don't think the Pistons are going to develop to be a big playoff team uh, sometime in the near future, because I do think that, but it's just that potential if they don't do it in the next couple of years, how content is Jeremy Grant going to be? Because he's one of the attractive pieces that's going to draw somebody to Detroit if he's still here. You're going to want to play with him, but... um. You know, I'm glad I'm glad I heard you say defense wins championships because first of all, fuck that Philly got destroyed by Atlanta and they had like the number one their number two defense in the league. So fuck that statement. Uh, fuck Philadelphia. Fuck the Sixers. <laughs> fuck Joel Embiid and fuck Ben Simmons. Look, look, <laughs> God. Oh, look. No. he doesn't like the 76ers, but now that we're talking about we're, we're still talking about the Pistons here so Cade Cunningham I just wanted to get this uh, idea out here so Cade Cunningham you know when he's first drafted uh, by the Pistons so he starts hitting the scene just running starts averaging a crazy amount of points I'm gonna say like 20 to 25 points per game he's facilitating he's playing really good defense he's basically acting as a star at this point um, the Pistons are doing really good but we just have that one piece that we're missing do we trade at the trade deadline in order to get that one piece and pick up a star or do we just kind of burn Cade Cunningham's contract and wait until our players like develop because at the end of the day we're kind of playing with time here so Cade Cunningham's contract is very low for a player that he could be doing like could be so like for a star getting paid a rookie contract would be insane for the Detroit Pistons because we're able to pick up another star with that money that we would be losing paying him, but we'll put it on somebody else. So what positions would we pick up and who would we get rid of at the trade deadline if we were to make a trade for that star? Quite, quite frankly, I don't think we should do anything this first year trade-wise. And like that that's me saying that right now on June 27th, 2020. Uh, 2021, excuse me. So uh, things can definitely change, but I'm just saying as this team is constructed present day, number one pick pending, probably going to be Cade Cunningham. Funny thing, actually, I was driving down 94 today and they already have billboards of our starting five. And in the middle is like a car. You know what like a locked character looks like in a video game? Like just completely black. Yeah. They, they literally have like a blacked out like figure of a of a pick and it says number one on it so the city is already preparing for the arrival of Cade Cunningham unless you know the world is shocked and it's somehow not Cade Cunningham 
But uh, I, I really would not do anything uh, trade-wise this first year. I really, really like this young core. I'm trying to take my fandom out of it as much as I can because I'm a huge Pistons fan. So I'm really trying to look at this from an unbiased perspective. As difficult that is as that is, I think I've done a decent job of it. I really just wouldn't do anything. I love our young core. I love the potential that they provide for us. So unless they're, I'm seeing something I just really don't like the first half of the season next year, like a, a regressed Killian Hayes, a regressed Sadiq or a Jeremy, whatever it is, right now as the team constructs, I don't think I would do anything. And I think like you guys are talking about, like when are we going to get our another, number, another star? Am I crazy to think that we, we might not need one? I mean, Jeremy Grant, like all of us were surprised at how good he was this year. And if he is able to even improve, not even half as much as he improved last offseason and add that onto his game, I mean, we're talking almost superstar level talent there. I, I agree with player. you. Combine, yeah, and you, you combine that with, with Cade. And let's say, let's say, like what you say about Anthony, about, uh, about Killian Hayes, which I would tend to agree with, which he doesn't really have that low of a floor, but his ceiling isn't that high either. I love him on the offensive side of the ball, and I would agree that he is a, not the greatest defender in the world, but the way I'm looking at it is, okay, I see a rookie. When's the last time we've ever seen a good rookie defender, honestly? I mean, Matisse Thibel, yeah, that never happens, though. So... What I see is, I see, okay, Killian Hayes is 6'5", has this crazy wingspan, so every other rookie point guard is also a bad defender. I think he has so much room to grow on the defensive side of the ball, combined with Jeremy, combined with Cade. Like we said, Cade's 6'8", 220, still has room to grow. Jeremy Grant's probably done with his physical growing at this point with his age, but his uh, his skills, those could still grow. Isaiah Stewart, I mean, I'm just... I'm like a kid in a candy store right now, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, all I got to say is Hawks yeah, and seven. Yeah, Hawks and seven. Dude, okay, I know this is a Pistons <laughs> podcast, but real quick, let's just touch on this. How unprecedented is it for Trey Young in his first year in the playoffs to go all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals? Like, they could get, they could have gotten swept by Milwaukee, and you really can't be upset as a Hawks fan because nobody really expected this to happen. Um I would love to see him go to the finals. I think it'd be an incredible storyline. I'm a little bit more iffy on this series than I was the the Philadelphia one because I've really just kind of from the from the start after watching them play against the Knicks, I knew the Hawks were going to really win this series. Um Joel Embiid is literally the only person on that Sixers team that would show up on a night-to-night basis. Ben Simmons was just a ghost and Put some respect on Seth, Seth Curry. Curry he, did, yeah. he did some honest Seth work. Seth Curry did really have a, a tremendous postseason. I can't really knock on him. What about Tobias Harris? What about Tobias Tobias Harris? Harris? He didn't care about Tobias Harris. Overpaid. I've been saying this since yeah. he got paid a big contract. He's the most overrated player Let on that tell fucking you something. team. Dude. That dude got so lucky Ben Simmons disappeared because none of the flack fell on him, but he disappeared too. Tobias Harris only, like you said before, Danny, only plays well when the team's playing well. He's not going to switch the game for you. He's not going to carry the load for you. He's, o- he's only good when the team is doing good, and at that point you don't even need him because the team's firing on all cylinders. He... What was Philly thinking 
not getting rid of him and keeping Jimmy no Jimmy clue. Butler, dude. If they would have kept Jimmy Butler instead of Tobias Harris, they would have. This would have been a different situation. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because if they wouldn't have gotten rid of Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons would have walked out of the locker room with a black eye. Yeah, in a and then weeks. and then Ben Simmons Good. doesn't come back and he requests a trade. Now what? Oh, oh, now you're yeah, now you're stuck Wait. with Jimmy Butler, who albeit isn't a great three point shooter, but can hit a fucking three point <laughs> shot, and at the very least will take one, and at the very very least won't pass up, pass up a wide open dunk in crunch time that Sixers am I the only person here that thinks that Ben Simmons listens to soft Drake after he has a bad game like Marvin's room <laughs> yeah oh yeah 100%. Marvin's room guy oh my I, I God. honestly think Philly <laughs> Philly needs guy. to tear it all down and just start again around Joel and B because Ben Simmons is not the guy Tobias Harris is not the guy um Seth Curry, I would keep Seth Curry, or honestly, he's getting older, so maybe if you want to do right by him, trade him to an actual contender that's not going to just choke in the playoffs. But like I said, this Atlanta team, dude, they are just fun to watch. Danny, I went to uh, I went to Tanner's Smoke Shop earlier today to pick up some incense, and Noah was there. So me and Noah were talking. We were talking about uh, we were talking about that series, and we were talking about how excited we were to just watch Atlanta play because it's fun. Trey Young adapts to whatever series he's in, and he changes his game style on a night to night basis. It's it's fun watching that young Atlanta team play. I love it, and I hope they go to the finals. Right. Right, and it's kind of sad that they got spanked the other night by the Bucks. The Bucks have really good defense. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be really hard for the Hawks to be able to pull off the series, and they're going to have to contend really well. Trey Young's going to have to be almost perfect, dropping 50 points a night, and the role players are going to have to like stand behind them and do their job. Uh, the biggest thing is turnovers. So the Hawks, I'm kind of rooting for them as my dark horse in the East. So... I was kind of like a fan of the Hawks in the East for a little bit, but kind of looking at it right now to see a Suns and Hawks matchup would be pretty fun to watch. But wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. didn't weren't you the guy? Weren't you the guy in the beginning of the season that said you felt like Orlando? Orlando, you felt like Atlanta was overhyped. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Coming uh, off, uh, coming uh, off of, coming up. off of last season. Coming off of last season, they had a lot of turnovers. Trey Young was taking a lot of stupid shots, you know, past the arc. But as the season went on, they got Bogdanovich. They got a bunch of players. John Collins stepped up. Lou Will, dude, sweet Lou. He stepped up in the playoffs too. Lou Williams. Yeah, just to see those those players play together and they're able to like kind of connect on a chemistry wise level. Um, to see them actually actually play ba- basketball and move the ball and not have Trey Young have the ball ninety percent of the possessions and just put up stupid shots. Um, now that that's kind of out of the way, I was just more of a fan of the Hawks when we started stepping into the playoffs because he well, was doing Hawks, really well. Midway through the season, Trey Young and John Collins started butting heads, and I got a little worried because I was like, oh, man, you know, if these two guys are butting heads, obviously one of them's going to go, and it's going to be John Collins. But watching him play in the postseason, John Collins has stepped up big time as well. I don't think calling him a role player anymore is fitting to what he's been able to do. Oh, yeah. No, he's a star. He's a little disrespectful, to be honest. I mean, like, I did not know that he had that sort of mid-range yeah. game that he's showcasing on a nightly basis. Like, these turnaround Jays. I, I, honestly, like, he he's always had insane hops, a crazy vertical. But the aggression and the passion that he uses when he rebounds now, 
I mean, he's a he's a force down there at only six eight, and I know that's big in, in the grand scheme of things. But the NBA game, like six foot eight, that's that's not all that big yeah. to be winning rebound battles. And his putback game, he does. He, he comes out of left field and he'll grab these missed shots and just fucking slam them back down. You know, in that Philly series, he's going up against Joel Embiid some of these possessions, and you know he's putting on a show. And this is Embiid, the runner up to the MVP, arguably. So, yeah, John Collins. Yeah. Oh, I have a question for you. I have a question for you for John Collins. So, did you see that first game? It was game one of the Bucks and Hawks series, and Trey Young was coming from the right side of the basket, and. John Collins was going straight up the middle. Trey Young had this nasty alley-oop off the backboard to John Collins, dude. It was disgusting because he was hitting it from an angle. He he was hitting the alley-oop like pass from an angle and he was able to like ricochet the ball off the backboard right to John Collins. So to see John Collins be able to do that against a, a defense that's fucking outstanding is crazy because I picked him up in fantasy actually this year in our league. And I didn't know, like, I knew he was a good player. I knew he was going to thrive this year, but I didn't think that he was going to be as consistent as he was. And he was putting up, um, so in our league, what is it, like 40 points is like the average for the players. Um, 50 points, fantasy points, he was scoring every single night. And he was able to just stay consistent, like a cool 18, 10, and like 5, like stat line throughout the season. And John Collins was definitely slept on this year, and I feel like he should get the respect that you know people owe him because he is one of the biggest factors on why the Hawks are in the position that they're in for the Eastern Conference uh, Finals. You know, I, Dude, that that oop yeah. that you were talking about, and I'll I'll let you go real quick, Anthony. That oop that you were talking about, it was dirty. Oh my, it was God, dirty, bro. Do you know the? You know the nads you gotta have to pull that off in a freaking playoff game as against one of the best defense. Yeah, as a twenty-two-year-old first-timer, and he was clean too. Yeah, dude, John Collins. That's it. That's all I wanted to say. Anthony, take it. So away. I'm gonna That's toot to my own say. horn here a little bit. It's what I said during that Philly series. There's so many offensive threats to this Atlanta team that I think they can break down a good defense when they're all firing. You got Kevin Herter, who absolutely popped off in the Philly series. You had Bogdanovich, who's been a little streaky, so he needs to become more consistent to really help his team out. But there's so many different options on this Atlanta team. It's hard to cover them all. And it's not that all of them are all stars or superstars, but it's just all of them are reliable, except for, like I said, Bogdanovich has been some, a little bit streaky lately. So if he can kind of settle down into a role, he doesn't need to really go off for 30 points. If he can just get his 18 to 20 points a game, that's really all Atlanta needs from him. Um, so many threats like you said the lob you can toss a lob up to john collins or trey young has that disgusting floater that he can throw up or toss a lob to compella exactly compella. or drive and kick it out to bogdanovich or kevin herter for a three and even kevin herter can play make for you and we started seeing that in the philly series he can handle the ball and make plays for you and for the guys on the court around him so 
honestly shocked about. Had no clue that Kevin Herter. Had a bag He's like that. insane, he off dude. Moves, Red Mamba, bro. and there's just that's the, my thing with this Atlanta team. So many offensive threats, and yeah, their defense is a little lackluster, but it's not a terrible defense. At least you have big pieces like Clint Capella to hunker down the paint for you. I don't think John Collins is that bad of a defensive player. The only really bad defensive player on that team is Trey Young, and everybody knows it. And you can get by with it as long as everybody else is doing their job yeah definitely um so looking at the pistons right now i just feel like we're just one of those teams that we're at the bottom of the barrel we had we were bottom of the east which is like the worst division i guess you could say or the conference out of the two so i feel like that's nothing to do with the coaching i feel like that's just one of the things that it was just we weren't ready to play the player or the teams that we're playing because we still have a bunch of rookies we have a bunch of pieces that were just kind of like plugged into our system so i feel like if we're just going to give us some time and develop uh these players more and more um i think we're going to do really good kate cunningham is going to be a wonderful add-on to our team um we already have the billboards around the fucking city about Cade Cunningham so it's pretty set in stone that we're going to pick up this player even though Troy Weaver said that it is an option to trade the first overall pick I think it's a really stupid move if we do that so I feel like in the long run if we are able to kind of fix the roster for the matchups that we're playing in the future so like Dwayne Casey's able to like kind of rotate the players throughout the roster and able to like do good matchups throughout the games I feel like we have a really good chance of making the playoffs. Um, I feel like we should pick up a star still, uh, front court presence. So I don't like Plumley, and I think Isaiah Stewart's too young to be able to thrive in that position because it's not like we're having Carl Anthony Towns or like Stephen Adams or somebody that's like big and like I don't know that that already has a name for themselves um, in that position. But the Pistons are going to do really good. Um, this I, season, honestly, I, I, I got him like... as the uh, playing champs of the East next year. You think so? Oh yeah, playing champs. You I guess think too. Cause... Orlando. Wow, <laughs> I didn't think that far into it. But yeah, I mean, Orlando's notorious for being around that you know seven to ten spot. But uh, <laughs> like, we saw something this year in the NBA that we've really never seen before. The Phoenix Suns won nineteen games last year. They're about to be in the NBA Finals. Okay, I mean, I understand that first or that worst to first happens in the NFL quite often. Like the Buffalo Bills were pretty bad. Now they're a fantastic team in the AFC with Josh Allen and the guys there in Buffalo. But we don't see that in the NBA. And now we saw we saw the Suns go from 19 wins to damn near the NBA finals. So are we about to see the Pistons? I'm not going to say. I mean, they're not adding a Chris Paul who is, you know, just liquid gold to your basketball team. So they're Velveeta. not adding, right? It's a, he's literally Velveeta to the basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so we're not adding someone as good and as experienced as Chris Paul. But we are all of our young players going to be growing. I like our head coach. I like our GM. We're adding a Cade Cunningham, a very talented number one overall pick. So I think the Pistons are going to make quite the jump. I think on the low end. I honestly think on the low end, they'll be very, very competitive in the play-on tournament. On the high end, I think they could get a fifth seed. And on like the middle ground, where, where I actually believe they're going to fall, I do think they're going to win the play-in this year. 
I want to hear Anthony as the hot take artist tell me right now that the Pistons are going to win the NBA championship tomorrow or next year. <laughs> They're not going to win right the now. championship. Right They're not. I don't really have a hot take on this, but um, yeah, well, that's a first. <laughs> Damn I mean, it! Other than other than Dennis Smith Jr. winning Sixth Man of the Year, I really don't have a hot take, but. Here he goes Dennis again. Smith Jr. plays with this tremendous. No, I'm just kidding. Troy Weaver. Uh, Troy Weaver was part of the Sergi Baca, the Russell Westbrook, the KD draft pick, the James Harden draft picks in OKC. He was part of all of those. So I think it goes without saying Troy Weaver knows what he's doing in the draft. And it showed last year with the Pistons. We've never had somebody come in and be aggressive and make the right choices. Other, You could argue that the Killian Hayes one could have been better. I don't think it's the worst possible pick we could have made. Um I'm not 100% out on Killian yet, but I'm definitely not 100% in. There's still some potential left. We just got to see how it plays out. I think Cade is more than likely coming to the Pistons. I think it's fun and interesting to explore the different trade options. And I do think, like Mitch said earlier, it was smart for him to say that trading it is an option because why not see what's out there? And if somebody does throw a ridiculous trade at you, um, at least you have that option. I think Detroit's going down the right path here, and I think Troy Weaver knows exactly what he wants his team to be, and I think he's got a time frame in mind. I think it's going to take something tremendously ridiculous to really make him sway from that because what he did in OKC worked out beautifully. Although they didn't win a championship, they drafted three of the best players in that generation that we'll probably ever see. Um, Russell Westbrook, as much as some people may hate him, he's one of the best players in that whole generation, regardless of what anybody has to say. James Harden, of course, KD, of course. And then Serge Ibaka has, yeah. Serge Ibaka's grown yeah. into a really, really solid player. He was never a superstar, but he was never a liability on your team. He was somebody that helped. And you could see that in Toronto in 2019. So Troy Weaver knows what he's doing. I have a lot of faith in him to make the right decision. Um, I don't think he's going to trade the number one pick. And I think Cade is going to be just an explosive addition to our team that's going to just speed up our trajectory. Because like Danny said, too, we moved up. Or no, Mitch, you said it. We moved up. We weren't even anticipating this, but we got it. And so now Troy Weaver is going to make the most of it. And it's put us in this really interesting position of what the hell are the Pistons now? Because... We're so ahead of schedule. Uh, the, we had two rookies make the all-rookie team last year. That's that's incredible. That's awesome. That is really good. That means the guys that we drafted are were not busts. They're not busts in their first year. They have the potential. The foundation is there for them. They just need to keep building onto it. I think the front office additions that the Pistons have done has changed this whole organization because for years, if not a decade, we were all bitching and moaning as Pistons fans about constantly making the wrong decision. Why did we trade for this? Why did we trade for that? Um, and now wiping the slate clean, Dwayne Casey, I got a lot of faith in him as a head coach. And I think the young talent is there, and I give it three to four years max, given that nothing really ridiculous happens and we don't trade everybody until we are a serious, not playoff contender, but finals contender. We're actually in the talk of will Detroit make it to the finals this year? And I think I agree with Mitch. I think we're going to be the play-in champions of the East this year. Uh, if they overachieve and they get like a six or seven seed or, or well, seven seed would be play-in, but a six or five seed, um, whatever happens after that, we can't really be upset because that's overachieving at that point. And if we can make a name for ourselves and do something good this year and just see growth in the young guys, I'm not going to complain whatsoever.
That's cool that you guys have them as play-in tournament winners because I feel like uh, I'm in the same boat. I just see the Pistons uh, progressing from here. I don't see them kind of like going towards a downhill slope. Since 2008, we haven't even won a playoff like game at all. So I feel like that's going to change in the future. I, this system that Troy Weaver has right now, the players he's picking up, the coach that we have, I feel like Detroit's on the right path. And we're going to be able to make a run in the playoffs because I feel like chemistry is going to, it's going to come down to chemistry. It's going to come down to the players that we have. And I feel like the players that we have right now, um, I'd say not all of them, but like majority of them are really good players. So, and they have very high potential too. So I agree with all you guys with your comments about the Pistons. I feel like that is going to be a new age for the Pistons. And this is a great thing. Uh, This is a great thing for the Detroit fan base because we've just been given shit for the past like 15 years well since 2000 and no, i guess right. 2012 you're right almost the past 15 years i mean let's not forget like we've been through a pretty rough time as a sports city here lions we don't even got to tell you guys about that we all know what's up with the lions the wings they went through a really rough patch the tigers the pistons but things are starting to turn around and it's not just for the pistons i mean yeah the pistons i mean let's not forget one time they won what went to what six eastern conference finals in a row that yeah. doesn't happen a lot that's a good franchise there we've just fallen off track a little bit and now we're starting to get back on track that light was at the end of the tunnel and now it's really really close to the tunnel because we got the number one pick weren't expecting it everything moved up we're way ahead of schedule even look at things, I mean, the, the Red Wings, I'm not even a huge hockey guy, but, I mean, Steve Eisman, I know he was able to build a team down there in Tampa and do, I mean, hey, listen, like I said, I'm not a huge hockey guy, and you'll probably be able to tell with this statement I'm about to make. If you're able to build a good hockey team in the hot, sweaty swampness of Florida, I think you can do it when it's ass, you know, freaking freezing cold up here in Detroit, Michigan. So I like Steve Eisenman on that side. Even the Tigers with uh, with A.J. Hinch, they got some nice pieces coming together. You know, uh, Casey Mize, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson. So things just as a city are looking the up The Lions, us, man. man. Dan Campbell. So I love Dan Campbell. And we can't go any lower, dude. Motor City yeah, Dan. Motor City Dan. You know, I, I'm not a big football guy, but everything that I had heard, like, uh, you know, articles and news drops from reporters and leaks from players um everybody hated matt patricia and did not want to play they didn't even want to show up to practice and now all the players are talking about how how much fun they have the the atmosphere and the energy is different in the training facilities and that they're and i think that's the most important part because you're in the nfl every single one of you has talent it's about getting that talent out of that player and getting them to show it on the field and having a coach that makes you happy makes you want to play for him makes you want to do good by him and makes you want to show it on the field for him and i think dan campbell is changing that energy in the detroit lions organization and i think the team albeit we got rid of matt stafford we lost some key pieces receiver wise i don't think jared goff is a horrible quarterback he's a winning quarterback he's gone to a super Super Bowl. He's definitely not the best, but he's far from the worst. There, there is some potential with the Lions as well, and I think Dan Campbell's getting the Lions back on track, just like Troy Weaver's doing with the Pistons. I, I would agree. Like literally, not kidding. I saw Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, his girlfriend, and Jared Goff's prepubescent hands having a beer in a local Metro Detroit bar. I swear to God. Wait, you actually saw them all. like in person? Yeah, I'm not lying. Yeah, yeah, right no, now. definitely. You pr- you went back for dinner at Jared's house too, right? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Under it the was desk. Great. What's up? Did you have dinner under the desk? What does that even yeah. mean? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's okay. I, don't, I don't know. I'm probably you guys listen to this podcast again. Just I'm gonna Google it after this. Whatever. So I have an update for anybody listening that's interested. So the ass tattoo. Um, I texted this in the group chat oh, yesterday. Yeah. So I checked in with the artist as well to make sure everything was still good. And you guys are gonna laugh at one of these things. So it's happening on the sixth of next month. So it's gonna be a Tuesday at three o'clock, and. I asked him, I said, hey, do you have a sketch that you drew up by any chance? He goes, no, LOL. And I said, oh, well, that's good. I like surprises. And that's literally what I said to him. And um, so, yeah, if it, it to add some cushion to me, this dude hasn't even drawn up a sketch yet. We're what? How many days out from? Let's see. About a, a week or so, week and a half. And um, the guy that is going to be permanently putting artwork on my body has not sketched anything out yet. So um, we'll see if he free balls it. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> what a fantastic way to end this episode. <laughs> the uncertainty in the air is abundant The uncertainty today. in my ass Behind tattoo. Scenes, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's call it, let's call it a close. You guys want to find us on Instagram? We're at GBD Podcast 2021. You'll be able to find Danny and I's Instagrams from there. Uh, Anthony does not have That's one, true. but hey, if you want to talk to that guy? Why? Head on down to the Volkswagen dealership. He is in the stall watching Kate Cunningham highlights at all hours. Yeah, you guys of can find me down in the stall, uh, seven seven three South Rochester Road, Michigan. Um, just knock twice. That's a secret code. If I ask for a password, the password is ass tattoo. Alrighty then, we're going to end it there. It was a great episode. We'll see you guys next week.